0: Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, and welcome to the Steam Cleaners Podcast. This is a show in which my lovely co-host and I play two different games every week, going through our library, Steam or otherwise, and share our thoughts with you. And when I talk about my lovely co-host, I am, of course, referring to the great Walter Ciedis-Vetchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? Oh, uh, I am doing wonderful, Chase. I have uh, I've been working eight
1: to five this week as I uh, as I train for the the new position in the company I work for. Um, it's been wonderful. It's been nice, like getting home and having dinner at a reasonable hour and spending time with my partner. Um, the only thing that sucks is uh, morning traffic and evening traffic, basically rush hour in general. Um and I know I I had this thought I was like man Chase is really lucky because like he works from home and he doesn't have to deal with like commuting traffic but then I remembered you live in Los Angeles and you just have to deal with traffic wherever the fuck you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, traffic is an essential part of existing rather than a thing that only occurs during those kinds of commute times. I will say certainly I do benefit from working from home and that I get to avoid it on most days. Uh, But there will never be a time in which trying to get from my end of the city to the west end of the city is not a fucking nightmare. Um, It's just the nature of the beast. You know, at some point, maybe we'll get some uh, people in positions of power who have played any sort of like train management game, and they'll realize that there's this cool thing called public transportation. And then I'll be able to just use that, and we won't have... Uh, as many people clogging the roads, and it'll be drivable. That would be interesting. I think we might want to give it a shot at some point in society. Um, But I'm guessing uh, over in uh, Rochester, where you're at, uh, you don't have quite the same level of traffic than one might expect from LA. Is that a fair assessment?
1: I mean, in general, no, because just the population size is is much, much... uh much, much lower. Um, but we've had some like weather, you know, not, we haven't had like a crazy snowstorm or anything around here, but like, it's just, it's that time of year where if the roads are wet at night and it freezes over and they didn't ice, you know, didn't, um, salt properly or they weren't prepared for a big storm or like things like that. Like people's brains just shut off once it hits like November and they, they forget how to drive. Um, so it's just like, it's frustrating. It's, it's stop and go at times. And I'm, I'm like a relatively experienced driver, especially in like poor conditions, especially snow. Like I am a very confident, comfortable driver in the snow of like knowing how to control my car and knowing what speeds I'm comfortable to go at. And it's not me that I'm afraid that I'm going to cause an accident. It's everyone else that are like stopping and starting and breaking on the middle of a 65 mile an hour highway and like things like that. Um, And yeah, but like, when I work my normal shifts, which are like, you know, 10 to 7, noon to 9, like, I don't have to deal with traffic because nobody works those hours. <laughs> so I, I have I have another week of 8 to 5, and then we'll go back to normal, and I'll be able to enjoy my drives to and from work.
0: That's fair. I always find it fun when people are like, you know, if based on this weather, based on this time, people seem to forget how to drive because it happens in every city across the country and in other countries uh because it turns out people are bad at driving like statistically uh 70 something percent of drivers believe they're above average which has led to some very uh not great behaviors when it comes to how they handle the road uh mostly cuz that's just not how averages work um so it's it's every city uh US or otherwise has its own driving challenges and people who very clearly Uh, should have spent a little more, more time building up their confidence in the environment in which they live. But you know what, Walter? This is not a driving podcast. This is not a podcast in which we teach people that, hey, maybe paying attention to the road and learning about your surroundings will be helpful to you. No, this is a gaming podcast. And so I only have one question for you, Walter. What have you been playing?
1: Yeah, if you want to listen to us talk about driving, you can head on over to The Allegory of the Shopping Cart, a series in which we discuss uh, why people stopped caring about each other and what that has to do with their driving skills. Uh, But Chase, Mm. the game that I played this week, it didn't have any driving in it. Uh, It does have some public transit because I played the 2018 version of Marvel's Spider-Man. I got the remastered version when it was on sale during the winter, you know, video game sales. Um, And this was a game that the moment it came out back in 2018, I wanted to play um, because Spider-Man is probably my favorite comic book hero. I, I don't know. It's something about this, like, this kind of like nerdy dude that like gets superpowers and you know, becomes cool, but is still like kind of down to earth and responsible at things. Like, I don't know. It just kind of sucked me in. Like I, I felt a kinship to him, um, but it was on PlayStation. And like, I don't think I've pulled my PlayStation four out of the cabinet in four years. I think it's just, it was in a box when I moved back to New York and then it got put into a cabinet and that's where it sat um forever. And, like, I wasn't going to buy a game for it. Like, I I don't play console games anymore. Very rarely do I even touch my Switch. I have this beast of a computer. I'm going to play it on my computer. And... When it was finally announced that it was going to come on to PC, I was like, oh, cool, that's awesome. I'll get to it sometime. Um, But, like, you know, a thousand-game Steam library sometimes, like, convinces you, ah, maybe you don't need new games. Uh, And then there was a Steam Summer... uh, There was a Steam Winter Sale and an Epic Winter Sale, and I saw it was on sale for, like, half off, and I was like, I got to play the fucking Spider-Man game. I I just... I have to. And one of the things that that drives me a little... I I get annoyed about a little bit with, with the podcast... Is that when I get into a game and I really, really want to play it, but I don't have anything else prepared for the podcast, I sort of have to like (laughs) force myself to rush to fit to beat the game. And I did. I, I beat the main story. Um the game tells me I've got about like 87% of the main game done which I assume means all like the collectible content and you know side missions and things like that. Uh and I got started on the the DLC which I think is another like 10 hours of gameplay. Um but this is now going to become that like GTA 5 style game where it's like I'm just bored. I don't want to pick a game to play. I don't want to play league. I don't want to play anything. I just kind of want to like fuck around and just like go to markers on a map and do things. Like that's what this fucking game is about to turn into of like, I'm just going to load it up and, and fucking swing around New York because goddamn, do I love this fucking game?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. So let's start from that then, because I think when it comes to Spider-Man games, the thing that is made or broken games in this series in the past is how good it feels to move around the world and how much you're able to feel like Spider-Man because of the movement options it gives you. And so it sounds like this game does a really good job of capturing that energy. So how do I, so what from a gameplay perspective uh, makes it so smooth and easy to get into that headspace of being the, one of the most popular superheroes out there.
1: So I'll put it this way, Chase. There is a fast travel uh, system in this game and I only started using it um, not last night, but the night before when I had to like push to beat the main game so I could talk about it for the podcast. So I, I put like 24-ish hours into the game and I probably only used it for like the last four hours of my gameplay. Um, it just, it's, it's like tactile. It just feels right like just the the way that you swing of of using the pen using the right trigger to like fire out the webs. And then when you get to the like height of your arc or whenever you wanna disconnect from the web, you jump, which if you ask anyone who has an Xbox controller, the A button is the jump button for literally everything. And like you just press that button and he and he flings off of you know his web, and then you hit the right trigger again. And he just he just spits out another web. And as long as you're like, as long as you're relatively close to like the height of, you know, where there's buildings that are kind of above you, you'll fire out your your web and you'll be able to swing. And there are like moments in the game for some of the side missions where they're like, oh, you can't you're not around buildings. So here's like cranes or here's helicopters to allow you to like continue to do that movement. Um, it has a mechanic where if you're just in mid-air, you can use the A button to like not zipline to a building, but it like helps propel you a little bit forward, so you stay at the same elevation. Um, it it's like super super fun to climb to a top of a tall building, jump off of it, go into the dive animation, and then like right before you're about to turn into a puddle on the ground, hit the R trigger and th- you know, throw out that web and like skim the ground you don't actually touch it but like it's almost like you're skimming the ground and doing that thing in every spider-man movie where he like goes right above a car or right above a pedestrian's head and then like watch the pendulum arc all the way back up to the top um if you don't really enjoy that and that like gets a little frustrating and it feels slow because it can feel slow when you're at like lower level buildings because you aren't able to build as much momentum there is a mechanic where points will highlight on buildings or fence posts or or cars or things like that. And you could pull uh, both of the triggers at the same time. And he will shoot out two webs to pull himself to that specific point. And then if you tap the A button to jump off of the point at the right time, once you have the skill, it gives you like a super jump. So it gives you this like way more momentum, way more of a boost. And if you're trying to like move very quickly across the map, that's what you're going to end up doing. And it just feels right. Like, it's hard to describe it because it it feels like what it's supposed to do. It, it reacts the way you would think Spider-Man would react in, you know, the mechanics of what you're allowed to do in terms of having a controller instead of, like, it being some sort of artificial reality where you have all these, like, hap- haptic sensors and things like that and are physically making the motions with your arms. I think it's about as close to what you would experience being Spider-Man as you can with a keyboard and mouse or with a controller.
0: I mean, that's, it's very, uh, there's just something about the fantasy of Spider-Man, right? That ability to just move through the world and use the environment around you as this way to propel yourself. And it sounds like they really nailed that side of it. Did they nail the plot? Of this game was the story engaging to you beyond that smoothness of how you were able to navigate through the world?
1: Yeah, I I think it it does. I would say it is what you would expect if you're like, hey, make Arkham the Arkham series, but make it Spider Man, and like, what is the difference between Batman and Be- and Spider Man? Oh, it's. The, the way you move around it's it's the webs it's instead of using a grappling hook you have the webs and you can climb buildings and like all these types of things. So the movement feels very much in line of what you expect from Spider-Man storyline wise. You got you got your entire fucking cast of characters there. You got Aunt May. You got Mary Jane. You got uh, Doc Ock. You got Vulture. You've got Mister Negative, who actually is a real character and not just a Marvel snap card. You've got Rhino. You have Scorpion. <laughs> like you have all of the characters. You have Norman Osborn and you have Otto. You know Octavius. Like you, he's not Doctor Ock at the very beginning of the game. You get to deal with with Doctor Octavius as like before he becomes Doctor Ock. There's a le- like it's all fucking there and it's a sinister six storyline. Like that's what they're going for here is that it's a creation of the sinister six and everything that happens. Like there's enough of, there's enough space to breathe in between the main missions where like, he'll even be like, Oh, well I got to wait to hear back from Mary Jane while she researches this thing. I better go on patrol and it'll like let you patrol for like five minutes or so and just do side quests or go collect collectibles and like, breathe and just swing around before it gives you the next mission it's not like boom 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 it's like boom 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 boom. and like there's a there's a flow to it and a progression to it um and it's like engaging you get you get everything that you want from it you have these sort of like early on in the game when you're you're working for Dr. Octavius and it's like, hey, Peter, you're running late. Are you coming in today? And you're like, oh, sorry, I got hung up on something. Like, I'm on my way. Like, that you expect from Peter trying to, you know, juggle both his identities. You obviously have Mary Jane that's there, so you have their relationship, and this is that they've been broken up for a little while, and they're kind of, like, you know, working together again working through some things. And there's that, like, awkward... Young adult, like, uh, we broke up once, like, don't you remember why we broke up? Like, we're not good together. But like, they're gonna get back together type thing. You have his relationship with Aunt May, who has made something with her life kind of after, you know, Ben has died and working for this, this, um, this, like, homeless shelter and training facility and, like, trying to get people back on their feet. And you're like, yeah, that's exactly what Aunt May would fucking do. Miles Morales is in the game, so you have the interactions between him and Peter. Uh, the You have, like, black cat collectibles, so you get to have the little black cat, you know, interactions kind of on the side. And then she's, like, a massive part of the DLC, so you get that character involved. Y- you have, you know, like, minor characters, like, like Hammerhead and Tombstone that are kind of involved in side stuff. It just... I don't know how to make it a better Spider-Man game, Chase.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a wonderful sign. If if you're feeling like this is a peak Spider-Man story, it means that they've nailed the colorful cast of characters that make up spider mans surrounding story. Um, and, and, you know, sinister six is the right kind of call for a game like this. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm sure we both agree, based on the movie review we did recently, that not having Morbius involved was a clear missed opportunity. But outside of that, it sounds like they focused in on a really interesting group of villains that you're able to bounce off of. And that ability to trust the player to still be engaged while the main plot takes a moment to breathe in order for it to feel more like a story. Is huge. I feel like there are so many games that get impatient and are concerned that if you're not getting the next thing right away, that you're going to just tune out. Uh, And it's great to hear that um, this game doesn't fall into that trap. So, you mentioned Black Hat, you mentioned the DLC. It it sounds like you've had a chance to experience kind of a, a totality of what this game has to offer. Is there anything that you wanted to see that wasn't here, or is this just like the peak of Spider-Man? We can call it in. They did all the things that you could ever want, and uh everyone needs to go play it because there's never going to be a better version of this.
1: Um, here, here's the thing: I actually think it's more of a like, oh shit, this is the best version of of what they can do. What like they're obviously they made a Miles Morales game, which is like, hey um i i bought that game too i will probably play it here in the next few months and talk about it then or maybe it'll be like part of a a two-parter or something so like you could you could play as miles like there's obviously the the alternative version they could probably make some dlc with with um spider gwen like they could definitely do things like that i think the big the big gun that they're hiding for spider-man 2 the game is is green goblin is Norman Osborn born being Green Goblin. Obviously, um, there's no Venom or Carnage here, so like you definitely have different ways that you could add in those kind of villains. There's hinting and kind of pointing at Green Goblin and at um, a, a symbiote of some kind, whether it's Venom or whether it's Carnage. I'm not 100, you know, 110% true uh sure about that. Um I would say my my complaints, right? Um the combat is kind of stale. I, I I won't sugarcoat it is that it does kind of like wear out its welcome in a way that that Arkham games did as well in that it's it's a lot of like yeah you land in a group of thugs and you're going to beat up 20 30 thugs. Um there's a lot of kind of like arena fighting where it's not that they, it completely contains you in an area. In fact, you can pretty much move however you want in the space. Um, but like it's very much you go to an area there's like 10 dudes there you're going to beat them up with a variety of like web tricks and just solid punches with the x button um it, it can get stale at times and there is a point where the um the game progresses and the plot progresses to the point where you now have like a mercenary group and escaped prisoners all kind of like in various in a lot of locations on the map, they're populating almost every other street corner and they start, like, shooting at you and that then interferes with, like, you swinging around and enjoying yourself. And, like, the game does tell you, oh, when you clear out a group of bad guys, like, they don't come back. And I'm like, cool. I don't want to kill 3,000 bad guys so I could swing from one end of the city to the other end without being harassed. Like, it, it does take you a little bit out of that experience when all of a sudden the, like, red it starts beeping at you and you have a red target indicator on you and you have to, like, dodge a rocket. Like, yeah, that's cool to do in combat or cool to, like, catch it and throw it back at them. But when it's just like, yeah, I want to go from Harlem to the Empire State Building, climb the top of the Empire State Building, it it kind of interrupts that flow. Um, And then I found the boss battles to be mario-esque in terms of like it's do the thing three times and then like you win the fight um which I, there's like a variety of like whether they're hard or compli- they're not complicated to do but sometimes the mechanics like you fight rhino um and the mechanic of how you like hit you know get him into these three states where you can deal damage to him is you have to like pull a cra- pull like a, a shipping container onto him or drop a shipping container or like a magnet from a um from like a crane and hit him and that like knocks him down and you can rush in and do some damage. Um it's just like finicky. It doesn't always hit when you think it's going to hit and it can be frustrating at times. Um but then like the cool thing they do with the boss battles is like you'll be fighting one of the the sinister 6 and then like a second one will join into it. So there's two different battles. One where you face vulture and electro and the other one you face rhino and scorpion. And, like, that's really fucking cool. Like, it's annoying because now you have to deal with both mechanics happening at the same time. And you're dodging multiple enemies that, like, do a lot of damage to you. Um, But, like, it's fun. It's way more fun than just, like, a one-on-one boss battle of, like, just lock you in arena. Like, uh you know, uh, an Elden Ring or, uh, or a Dark Souls style where, like, you versus boss. Fight. It's, again, I, I use the word tactile. But there's, like, a natural kind of feeling to that. Um, and then the other thing is, like, there's a couple of times where they make you play as um, play as MJ and play as Miles Morales to do some, like, stealth missions. Um, I know Yahtzee brought it up when he reviewed the game back in 2018. It was like, why the fuck are you taking me out of the spider suit? I-, I agree with him. There's enough moments for me to breathe during the course of the plot itself when they're like, okay, we're not giving you the next main mission. Go do something else. Or just in general, you can ignore the main mission and just go around where like I have my room to breathe already. Why are you making me play as a character that all they can do is hide behind boxes and throw like a distraction device? Um, it feels unnecessary to the plot. It definitely is interesting because it helps drive the plot because what spider Man's going to break into every single Oscorp building and like research data. No, that's boring as well. Um, How about you just have it happen off screen or deus ex machina it where like, I just have to catch a pigeon that has a USB drive or something like, I don't know. Um, But yeah, I fucking love this game, Chase.
0: I mean, it sounds great. I, I do think the kind of flaws that you point to like, you know, people have pointed out that the asylum combat can get stale over time. But to be honest, I always find a flow to it. And that's what you need to capture for a game like this. Like, as long as the bad guys are interesting and the powers that you're able to upgrade are fun, I don't really care if the core of it remains the same. That never stopped me in, like, an Assassin's Creed, for instance, in which you're just stabbing the same people with Ezio and you're using the same kinds of blades. Like, it's fun. It's a fun gameplay loop. Um, And I wouldn't need novelty from that in order for it to be entertaining. I do think four stealth sections in a game that otherwise doesn't make you do it is a little bit unfortunate. But I at least appreciate that they're trying something different, right? They're trying to give you a different... You say that,
1: but there are stealth sections as Spider-Man. So, like, what's the point? (laughs) Like... Okay, well then... And they're not, like, (laughs) they're not dedicated stealth sections. Like, they're not, like, you must be stealthy this entire time. But it, like it convinces you like, Hey, there's like 40 dudes here, but like, look at all these locations where you could like sit on top of a lamp post or sit on top of like a water tower. And Oh yeah. If you hit that X button, you just like web them up to you and you put them against the side of the building. And now they're out. Like there are, there are stealth quote unquote sections as Spider-Man that if they didn't have those, then maybe the stealth sections as Gwen and Miles would like add some, you know, some slowing down of the pacing to it. But there are Spider-Man stealth sections, essentially. So, it's unnecessary.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that sounds (laughs) unnecessary. But it only feels like it's a problem because you loved the core gameplay loop so much that you didn't want to be away from it. Which, ultimately, is a better sign than not. So, I guess it's safe to say you recommend this game to people?
1: I, I with the most emphasis that I possibly can put. If, if somebody was like, Hey, let's make a game for Walter Nicholas Fedchuk. Right. I'm, I'm pulling out the middle name here. We need to make a game specifically for him. What is it? It's like, Oh, just let it be Spider-Man and let it be like good. Because I remember playing Spider-Man two the like Tobey Maguire era on like Game boy advanced and the swinging and that, that, and that's like the pinnacle of Spider-Man games until this came out. And like, it reminded me of playing that game in fucking 4K high definition, way better combat. Like, just everything is better than Spider Man 2 in this instance. And I couldn't be fucking happier as a, a huge Spider Man fanboy. And my little nerd heart makes me so happy I can finally, like, pretend to be him. But, Chase, speaking of love. You told me what games you played. You want to start with the dating simulator or you want to start with the other
0: one? You know, I wasn't going to start with the dating simulator because ultimately the reason I'm talking about it is because the game I've actually been playing over the last two weeks probably doesn't have enough depth to stand out on its own. But since you brought it up, let me tell you about an awesome game called Speed Dating for Ghosts. Speed Dating for Ghosts is a fascinating game within the visual novel slash dating sim genre that takes a much more existential focus than a lot of the other games in the genre that I've played. Rather than this being like a monster prom in which everyone just happens to be ghosts or different kinds of beings and you're just kind of along for a very silly ride, these are all like former people. They were spirits that existed on our plane and had lives that you get to learn more about. And you learn through these stories how they died, how their death affects their current state of being, and these larger questions about what it means to live, what it means to connect with other people in a way that survives after death and a sense of identity that is really powerful. Uh, This is a game that only takes like a couple hours to play all the way through, but it is a game that has stuck with me for years since I first played it. And I I love this game. I'm just going to give you a couple examples here, Walter, to give you an idea of the kind of ghosts that you meet in this game. Let's start with Agatha. Because Agatha is a perfect example of the kinds of dynamics that I love here. Agatha has died twice. The first time, she was 22 years old. She was bitten by her husband, someone who claimed to love her, someone who claimed that he wanted to be with her forever, wanted her to be like this forever, and turned her into a vampire like himself. But as time went on, He moved on, and she was alone. So she does what anyone would do in that situation. She reinvents herself. She does her best to never inflict onto others what was inflicted onto her, because she understands the pain of being left behind as a vampire that loses the partner that would understand Who she was in a way that no one else could. Because they had been around for a level of... For an amount of time that mortals just can't experience. She does the whole drinking from blood banks and butchers when she's desperate. uh, And she tries to settle down with someone. But uh, 300 years later, uh, her girlfriend finds out who she is and terrified of what it means to date a vampire, stabs her with a stake through the heart. Now, you don't know this right away. All you see when you first encounter her at this kind of speed dating event that is run by a ghost with uh, some kind of moose antlers um, that uh, has a little bit of a tilt to her neck as if it has been snapped. all you know is that she is this spectral being with a skull-like face and a stake square through her chest, a constant reminder of what it was that ultimately did her in. But the more time you spend with Agatha, the more you realize that the heartache of a husband who abandoned her is less Than the heartache of finding someone that she loved, who she could be with, having learned to control her vampire self, knowing that she never wanted to inflict onto another person what her husband inflicted onto her, but when identified for what she was, was killed for it while she slept. That is a very different kind of story than these kind of games typically get to, right? Like, that is a level of depth and existential dread that is fascinating. And that's just one of about a dozen characters that you can date in this game.
1: That's fucking heartbreaking. Like I know! (laughs) I'm like, it's a video game, and I'm over here, and you're telling me this. I'm like, one, that'd be like a fucking fantastic story to tell in another medium, too? Like, a Netflix series or something? I I don't fucking know. Like, I want to hear more about that story. But, like, Mm -hmm. just... Yeah, you're right. That's anytime I see these like dating simulators, it, it is. It's this like happy go lucky, like you're gonna have fun. And I know Doki Doki Literature Club or whatever is like, oh yeah, it's a horror game. Okay, fine, whatever. But like they are being portrayed as like cute, funsy, like, hey, let's let's make some drinks and have some fun, guys, you know, haha. And like looking at this, like this fucking looks like the like the, the the art from like scary stories to tell in the dark. And, like, mm-hmm. it is evoking this, like, melancholy and, um, I, yeah, it's just, just, like, melancholiness to it. And all the designs and all the different ghosts and, and you know, just the screenshots that I'm seeing here in the scene store. It is, it is. It is entirely different than what I would expect if you just said, oh, yeah, I played a game called Speed Dating for Ghosts. I'd be like, all right, cool. Which one are you going to fuck, Chase?
0: Like... <laughs> This is less about finding a partner, though you do go on dates, but it's more about learning who they are and how they react to their own state in the afterlife. Uh, Another character that really clicked with me was Andy. And Andy is not a ghost. He's a demon, specifically a party demon. Partying defines and sustains him. He feeds off of the joy of other people at parties. Which, in this world, is very standard. Demons have a purpose, they have a type of thing that they feed off of, and that's what defines them. But what happens when you've lived for thousands of years and you ask yourself the question, maybe there's more to life than partying? Well, if you're a party demon, it means you're at risk of fading into nothingness. If you are unable to continue to feed on the thing that has defined you, you fade into non-existence. The alternative that you are presented with is do you continue to live the life that you have always lived knowing that your life will never be more than this? Or do you try to grow and become something different knowing that by your very nature, by the connections that you have made in this world, you no longer exist if you let go of this part of yourself. That's fascinating. Every single one of these characters has an angle like this. You find this depth and nuance to these characters that is really powerful. And you see that like the type of person that they are changes the way that they look uh leon is a perfect example of this leon looks like a shark he wasn't a shark obviously he was a human in his life but he was a criminal someone who uh would try to rob banks or or steal from from people off the street and eventually he and his crew were caught and he talked to the police in order to get a lighter sentence and he got killed in jail He's a predator in his afterlife because he preyed upon others and he dies because he is incapable of showing the loyalty to the people around him that he once did, that, he, that got him and them into this situation in the first place. Does that make him evil forever, these crimes that he had committed? Or is he capable of learning from that? Is he capable of becoming a better being in the afterlife, having recognized that the type of life that he lived was inevitably going to end in tragedy, both for himself and the people he pulled into his world? That's really interesting. In this game, every single character, I'm going to stop with these because, like, as much as I love Gary, I want y'all to go buy this game and experience Gary's story. I want you to learn about Drea and a being who has fucked around and eventually found out, but chooses not to focus on that because they feel like the afterlife is worth living or spooky Peter, a a being that has resented the fact that his own kindness ended up leading to his demise. And how do you reconcile with that? Knowing that had you been more selfish in your life, you would have been able to keep living. There aren't many games that ask you those questions. It's a game that every single character makes you stop and think and question how you view the world and question what you value and what you believe a person should focus on and there just aren't a lot of games out there that really focus on that kind of existential question like this game does. You
1: have to you have to like when a medium like video games kind of steps outside of its normal boundaries and does something like this. Because those are always like the more fascinating, more interesting stories like when when you go outside of convention, right? Like, I played a fucking AAA game. I played Spider-Man. Like, yeah, everybody fucking knows what that is. And, again, if you, like, tell someone on the street, oh, I played this game called Speed Dating for Ghosts, given everything of uh, all the, you know, bombardment of, you know, the, the KFC dating simulator or, or Dream Daddy or, like, any of those things, you go, oh, yeah, it's a dating simulator, you can completely subvert their expectations and, like, it's kind of like Doki Doki Literature Club. Like, you like, oh yeah, it's like an anime dating simulator. Ha ha ha. And like, if you just told me this sentence and said, Walter, go play this game, and I came back, I'd be like, Chase, why do you hate me? Because like, you made me depressed.
0: <laughs> it's just fascinating. Yeah, and it does affect you. Like, I... You know, the game doesn't run for that long. I I was able to beat the entire thing and see every story in just over two hours. Each story itself takes about 15 minutes if you take going around, learning just a bit about them, selecting them as a partner, and then going on a date, which is when you learn more about them uh, and their uh, current view on the world, what it is that they choose to connect with now that they are um, this kind of spectral being, right? Um, it is interesting to see like what characters focus on their life when you're doing the dating, like kind of speed dating part, and what characters are only able to face these things when you take them out on a date, when you have selected them as someone to spend that additional level of time with. Um, Gary is a perfect example of that. Uh, Again, I'm going to be vague about exactly what's going on with Gary, but Gary is someone who you have a profound empathy for the second you see him. Uh, His face is this old, wrinkly mess of a thing. It almost has like a scream mask energy to it, just this gaping mouth, large eyes. It is uncomfortable to look at, but the more... You spend time with Gary, the more you get this profound sense of kindness. Someone who really worked in his life to make the world around him better. So why is he considered a ghost of vengeance? You ask yourself. Why is it that this ghost hasn't found peace when he spent his life trying to make things better? And when you find out the answer, It's fucking heartbreaking, and he has to accept that, and you have to reckon with the moral complexity that comes from acknowledging that good people, when forced into certain positions, can do something that would otherwise be seen as bad or evil, and how do you accept that? How do you acknowledge that and reconcile the gap between those two things? I think most of us struggle with that. Moral gray areas that define so many of these characters. I, I could gush about this game for a very long time. Uh, the answer is that you should all go play it. There's You will never play a game like this. You will never play a game with a cast of characters like Speed Dating for Ghosts has and you're never going to find a game that is so willing to embrace the macabre to embrace the sadness of existentialism while still finding a way to be hopeful in the end because ultimately all of these ghosts they find a date in you they're able to have a good time if you're willing to meet them where they are and accept them for the beings that they have become in the afterlife, regardless of who they were in their normal life, and that's just really fucking cool, man
1: I fuck dude, I want to play this game It's so <laughs> I'm, good I'm like, I'm like you've convinced me i'm I'm hovering over the buy button here
0: and it's not game, expensive, dude. right? like if I remember correctly, seven bucks. like a whole seven bucks. If you want to get it on Steam right now, it is absolutely worth that money. And like I said, it's about two hours to play, maybe two and a half if you want to go for 100%. But honestly, not the point. Doesn't really matter if you 100% it. Whatever story you get, whatever way you engage with it, every single character has something for you. Every single character is interesting. And asks a different question. And I don't know what more you can ask from a game for that. It is... I, I just... I don't know. This game's special. I can't recommend it more highly. I've never... As someone who loves this genre, I've never played anything like it before. I'm not sure I'll play anything like it since. And... I, Yeah. It just give it a shot. It's seven bucks. What do you have to lose? I, I, I,
1: I'll, I'll play it, guys. I'll, I'll play it and verify his, his opinions because we know Chase <laughs> and I share opinions. Uh, we, we are the exact same person on literally everything. Mm-hmm. Don't go listen to last week's podcast. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> yeah, don't Chase, check out Final Cut. <laughs> but
1: Chase, all right. So, so I, after I have poured my heart out and have sobbed tears and gone through every tissue in my house. I need a pick-me-up, buddy. I need something to tell me that the world will be okay. Do um, you got any cute animal games in your back pocket?
0: <laughs> I don't know if it's going to make you feel like anything. everything is okay, but I do think you'll have a good time with the game that I've been playing uh, over the last week, which is Super Auto Battlemon. If you're looking at Super Auto Battlemon and you're not able to find it, that's because it's only available on itch.io right now. It is not fully released. It is in an alpha state. And I'll be honest, I don't play games in alpha. I barely play games in beta or early access because typically my idea is that I want to play games when they're at their best, right? I don't tend to go back. There's too many things that I'm interested in, too many games I want to play, too many stories I want to experience. And so if I'm going to play a game, I want to play it at its best. I want to play it when it's fully polished, when it's had a time to test everything out, and when it's become the thing that it was always meant to be, at the best that the devs are capable of delivering. And I have these rules for myself. And then I watched... uh, The YouTuber is Scooty. um, And Scooty was the guy who got me into um, Super Auto Pets. The game that this is very much based on um, in its own way. Um, And I saw it and I was like, no, I I can't wait for this. I need to play it right now. Because (laughs) the fact of the matter is that it is Super Auto Pets, a game that is essentially team fight tactics, but with animals, except they made them Pokemon and they made them fight each other. And it's fantastic. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm looking at it, and it is it it's super auto pets, but yeah, it's like it is. It's like fucking Pokemon and Digimon style, and the art the art is gorgeous. I really like this. It's like um Kirby, uh, what was it like sticker shock? Mm-hmm. Um, like that kind of like they look like stickers. They look fake, but it has the black outlining on it. That's that's I can see why this would immediately draw you in, chains.
0: It's so fun. Um, I I just... The the first thing that I love about this game is that the monster design is fantastic. Um, I love uh, Pup Ice. He's a little puppy that turns into a corgi before turning into this nice, like, ice-lightning monster, which is fantastic. Uh, there's Snorb, who came out recently, who starts as, like, a snowman and, and kind of builds himself up until he becomes this, like, uh, kind of, if Obama Snow maintained more of a snowman form, uh, this would be where he ends up. Uh, there's Monku, you know, kind of a fire monkey with a bit of an earth angle to it. Um, Whisper, a, a dark cat with fire energy to it. Um, and of course, Barry, um, the dark fighting type, essentially. They call it physical, but it's essentially fighting type. That uh, eventually becomes a giant grizzly bear with some tentacles that help boost some extra damage down um, and the game works um, a little bit more similarly to maybe like a uh, team fight tactics in that there are beyond just trying to match three and get these animals that fight each other out like Super auto pets does, there are typings to this, and each typing gives you a different advantage. Uh, water typing gives you splash damage, which means that your attacks damage all enemies rather than just the one that you're targeting. Earth gives you thorns, which means that when people do damage to you, they take damage back. Toxic gives you decay, which means that you deal damage over time to enemies that uh, that you hit. Uh, and there's you know so many different types, types that will feel very natural to anyone who's played a Pokemon game before. Um, but that really reward interesting, um, team compositions. And as you go to kind of level up over time, not only do you get experiences, you kind of go up the map similar to like a Slay the Spire, uh, in that you have, uh, individual encounters and random events and rest stops that allow you to heal up and grow, um but you also get the chance at some of those rest stops to add a typing to some of your characters. Ooh, okay. So that you can turn them into a little bit of a hybrid of themselves uh, and fill out the kind of maximum benefit that maybe you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Like with Lightning, there are only three Lightning characters in the game right now. They're going to add more, and I think there's already been a patch since the last time that I um, that I gave it a shot. But, at the same time, it's you like you can get that update and you can go find the uh the rest stop that allows you to give something else lightning damage and suddenly you're getting an insane amount of charge that means you're getting the special abilities that each character has because every character has their own ability, and you're supercharged It's just very. It gets to the heart of what makes each of these genres fun, right? Super Auto Pets is fun because it's great to see uh, animals and, and the beings that you have get stronger over time. It's the same reason that Team Tactics or Dota Underlords is fun. Except when you add an evolve mechanic, it's that much more fun because you're getting a stronger version of it. The art is changing. The level of the ability that you have is getting more powerful. It feels satisfying. Getting the tight match feels super satisfying. Picking the right path and journeying your way towards the final boss, a final boss battle that feels like a meaningful accomplishment to beat, especially when you're first starting out, it's very satisfying. Everything about this game hits just some primal part of my brain that I love. I love everything about this game. And I just couldn't wait for it to be finished. I had to try the alpha version that's available on itch.io. And it turns out, literally, while we were recording this podcast, Walter, they've released a public demo on Steam that has two new battle mods that I haven't gotten a chance to try yet. And I hate that I'm going to have to start back from the very beginning because I've already been in the game a few times and I like having my stats tracked. But you know what? I want to try out the fucking unicorn Pokemon that apparently got added to the game. Excuse me. Battlemon, Battlemon, <laughs> the unicorn Battlemon that got added to the game. Uh, Very specific, so- you say Battlemon, because
1: let's let's be honest, Nintendo and Game Freak will fuck with DMCA takedowns.
0: <laughs> well, this is the kind of thing, right? Because we've seen Pokemon-like games um, get a little bit more traction nowadays. Um, the big one that I can think of is Temtem. Yes. Temtem has become a massive game that I've seen a lot of streamers start to play a little bit more. And it is very much just Pokemon. Like, it's Pokemon, except the evolved mechanic and the world building is slightly different. The types are slightly different. But there's a lot of it that's just Pokemon. But there's been a kind of stranglehold that Pokemon has had on the industry because people want want to be a Pokemon ripoff. Especially when there are already so many ROM hacks out there for Pokemon that give you the same experience, but with this kind of customized path that meets whatever thing you don't think the Nintendo is doing. But by framing this within the auto-pets genre, by balancing it with this super auto-pet style combat where you've got two teams that are each building up and getting stronger over time, and adding the kind of type advantages that have made something like Teamfight Tactics so dynamic, you have made something that feels different from Pokemon. It is its own game. And it's a good game. It's a really good game. And I just can't wait for it to be finished, because right now, I'll go through a run, it'll be a great eight minutes, and I'll feel like I can try out these different kind of tactics, but it ends. Before it feels like I've fully gotten a chance to realize the potential of a composition, there aren't enough varieties in the battlemons available quite yet in order to feel like every run is a bit different. But because each re- you know, kind of faction, if you will, these different types don't all have four different battlemons available. You never feel like some of these are meant to be hard-focused the way that someone like me who wants to see the maximum possible combination am able to fully accomplish. And I think that's by design, right? Like I I think that part of that is, is that it's an alpha, and so they're trying to balance it around something that's easily repeatable so that people can report... Any bugs that they find, any issues that they come across, any issues with the gameplay that they think can be ironed out a little bit better, but the potential of this game is so damn high I mean, you're two for two
1: on the podcast, Chase. I'm going to fucking play this game. I'm, I'm going yeah, to fucking download the demo and play this game. What the fuck, dude? My library
0: is big enough <laughs> as it is. What the fuck are you doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. This one's free to try right now. The The demo on Steam is available for free. So you lose nothing by trying Super Auto Battlemon. if that's the kind of thing that you enjoy. It is quick. It is cathartic. It is a fun experience that, that gets to the core of why each of these genres work separately. And it's not done yet. There's a level of polish that I expect the final version to have that's still being worked on, and who knows what this looks like by the end. If you're someone who is usually like me and wants to wait for the final version, I get it. I understand. But it's really good as is, and I am surprised. I have surprised myself by how much I have enjoyed this game. And that's before you get into the chaos mode. That this game introduces once you've beaten it a few times, in which everything is randomized—stats, the abilities, the typing—it's all random, and you just have to deal with the chaos. And I—it's just a blast. It's all good. It's all good, Walter. It's been a good week of games for me, uh, and I do recommend this one as well. Um, I understand people's trepidation with games that aren't fully finished, but this is one I think is worth following, and I think it's worth your time. And I think you'll have a good experience with it even before it's fully released because what it has to offer is really interesting.
1: I we're 3 for 3. We're 3 for 3 with recommended games this week. That's oh my god. All right, we need to we need to finish recording so I can download some stuff and I got <laughs> Chase, I got a fucking itch right now. I I need to scratch it.
0: <laughs> okay well then let's let's wrap this up uh you uh can find uh the super auto uh, auto battlemon demo on steam you can find me at chase wassener on twitter walter where can the nice people at home find you
1: uh, you guys can't find me on twitter because i'm gonna be playing video games for the next week straight um but when i do <laughs> return to twitter it's at c80s underscore lol of course you guys can follow the podcast at rough drafts pod. Also uh, listen around on your uh, listen around, listen along on your favorite podcast platform of choice, either the independent feeds, final cut and steam cleaners, or the combined feed of the rough drafts podcast.
0: Absolutely. Positively. Um, And, and I cannot wait next uh, two weeks from now, excuse me, because next week of course is final cut, the movie podcast that we do together. Uh, That's going to be focusing on a lot of Oscar nominations uh, moving forward as we are very much in that season. But uh, two weeks from now, we're going to talk about two completely different games. And I'll be honest, I think the game that I'm playing right now is going to engage me for quite a while. So I'll figure out what games I want to highlight from my past. Um, But until then, goodbye, Internet.